My name is uh, Corey. Uh, my wife and I moved to Peru about nine years ago. Um, and we've since had three beautiful children that were all born in Peru. So we have three uh, blonde and blue-eyed, most, for the most part, uh, Peruvian children. And, um, but uh, about four and a half years ago, we planted uh, Calvary Trujillo. Uh, Trujillo is the largest city in the north of Peru. It's about a million people. And the Lord just put on our heart, there were no Calvary chapels in that entire region of the northern coast of Peru. God's done a great work in Lima. Pastor Lucho shared with some of that. But as we went to the city, we just saw a great need. And that's really what the Lord called us to do. The reason we became missionaries, uh, we wanted to plant Bible teaching churches that were going to love and feed the people of God. And, and we had that great blessing of Calvary Chapel where we grew up in California but we wanted to go to places that didn't have that opportunity. They didn't have that blessing. And so uh, we planted the church uh, about four and a half years ago, and God has blessed it, and it's grown. Um, we now meet in a theater, and uh, it's, just, it's just amazing to see how God's poured out his spirit. And then um, what happened was um, about four years ago, there was basically an exodus out of Venezuela. And a lot of you guys know what happened there. It's turned into kind of like another Cuba and people were starving and they were dying because of lack of medicine and things like that. And so millions of Venezuelans fled their country just going anywhere. And we had 100,000 pour into our city, into Trujillo. And so what happened is our church that we planted uh, for Peruvians now became a Peruvian Venezuelan church. And so our church today is about 50% Peruvian and 50% Venezuelan. And what also happened was God brought us young people who had gone through so much and they were just ready to have God and his word. They were just so hungry. And we began to disciple some of these young people, both Venezuelans and Peruvians, and they just said, we want more. We want more. And I said, well, I could send you here or there or whatever. And they said, we don't want you to send us anywhere. We want you to do it. And I said, okay. And so we started a discipleship house, kind of like old school Calvary Chapel, where they all lived together and they had their jobs and they had Bible studies and prayer meetings and we had discipleship stuff going on, but they were still working, but they wanted more. They wanted to go and do the work of the ministry. And so we decided we were gonna start you know, a Bible Institute. And, uh, and then you know, by God's providence, I ran into Gerald Hagerman and all of that turned into Calvary Bible Institute, Peru. So now we, I pastor Calvary Trujillo and I, we run Calvary Bible Institute Peru. Uh, I actually had to, yesterday, I had to leave early, but yesterday we finished our fifth semester as Calvary Bible Institute Peru. And um, we have graduated, uh, let's see here, our last graduation, we had nine Peruvians and Venezuelans and we have probably 10 or so coming up in this next year. And uh, out of that, we have uh, started a uh, Bible study with one of our Venezuelans. He's got about 25 people that come to his and we're gonna probably officially launch that as a new church plant, uh, mostly Venezuelans. Um, at the end of this year, we have another group that another one of our Venezuelan young people has started. He's got about 30, basically middle school and high school age kids that he's discipling in another city next door. Uh, we're going into the Amazon jungle later this year and uh, our goal is to start up a training center training indigenous pastors and have kind of a, a, an inroad into the Amazon jungle. Uh, we have a prayer group in Panama. So really what we, our heart is, is to go and preach the gospel to raise up the next generation of leaders and pastors and missionaries and then train them in the word 
and send them out to plant churches and multiply the work. And it's, it's really been amazing. Um, throughout the pandemic, uh, we started full-time Bible school uh, February of 2020. And then the next month, the whole country shut down completely. And, you know, everyone was locked down and we had all of these, we had Peruvians and Venezuelans and my wife and I and our family, we moved in, we got this building and we were all living in the same place. And it was kind of like Noah's Ark just sealed us all in, you know, and we weren't supposed to have any in-person meetings. But the reality was, is in my city, there's all these uh, Venezuelans who were living in these kind of buildings where you would rent a room and have your own like lock on the door. So they were all living in the same building, but it was all individual rooms and that was kind of acceptable. So we just kind of said that's what we're doing and that was our loophole and we never closed and we never stopped doing classes and we never we just kept doing it and God has raised up out of the pandemic this whole team we now have like 15 people on our staff and people that were training to go plant churches of Venezuelan Peruvians and they are just radical I mean they are ready to do anything they've fled their countries they've gone through the pandemic and uh, they're out doing the work of the ministry and in that time we also uh, you know, kept our church going and it went from a small kind of family church, about 30 or 40, and now we meet in a 400-person theater and um, we've, we, we've baptized a lot of people this year. And anyways, it's just all a work of God's grace. So please pray for us because that's our heart. Our heart is to go and raise up the next generation of Latin Americans and to send them out to multiply that work and to plant churches throughout South America. And it's been just amazing to see people that we have evangelized or met and watch them grow and, you know, develop into these people who want to go out and fill the Great Commission. And so it's an amazing work. Um, if you'd like to get involved, first and foremost, pray for us. Please pray for our, our leaders. Pray for these new church plants that, that God would give us the grace and the faith to continue to take steps forward. Um, if you want to come down and serve with us, uh, we have a great facility. Uh, we have a, a half-acre campus about five minutes from the beautiful beach town. We're actually like an hour from the longest left-hand wave in the world. So it's a great place to come and visit uh, senior pastors, assistant pastors. If you guys want to come and teach the Bible, we'd love to have you come down and pour in to these Peruvians and Venezuelans. We actually have, now we have Peruvians, Venezuelans, Bolivians, Colombians, Mexicans, and Americans all at our campus. So it's really started to take off. So uh, just pray for us that that will continue to go forward. And um, and yeah, it's just a move of God's spirit and we're, we're blessed to be a part of it. So thank you. Amen. Yeah, there's some really great stuff happening. Pray in July, right? You got about 30 going into the jungle. Uh, reaching out to some indigenous peoples in there. So pray for that trip coming up. See what the Lord, what doors he might open there. Uh, next, Terry. Terry. Oh, there she is. Uh, Terry Van Beveren. She, I met her, Terry, last year at the conference as well. Um, she's got some amazing stuff happening with kids over in Spain. So she's going to come up and tell you a little bit about that and how you can get involved with that. So please welcome Terry. It's a privilege to be back with you this year after last year. I think I'm the only woman this year. I'm going to get some more women involved in this, Steve. <laughs> but God is good. God is good. My claim to fame is actually that I was born in Lower Bucks Hospital. Ah. And then I was snatched away to the Amazon where my parents went to be missionaries when I was not even two years old. So um, I've lived in Brazil, 
Venezuela, Guatemala, and now I've been in Spain for 17 years. Of course, I'm only 20 years old. So <laughs> God does a lot in a remarkably short amount of time, doesn't he? Um, so let me tell you a little bit about what we do in Spain. Could we have that, uh, some PowerPoint slides? I, I tend to speak quickly, and this will give you a little more time to process, and it keeps me on, on track. Our ministry is called Descubre. It's a learning center in uh, the greater Madrid area. Maybe they fell asleep back there. <laughs> okay. Um, our ministry has to do with education, um, shaping the minds of youngsters who struggle to learn. It's evangelistic in nature. We're a mar- what you consider a marketplace ministry, so we're doing something that legitimizes our living there in Spain, while at the same time uh, just looking for opportunities to engage people with the gospel. Um, as Pastor Rick said this morning, it's to open their eyes, uh, because as you know, Spain is a, a dark country in terms of their um, understanding of the gospel, the truth of who Jesus is. Jesus is their next door neighbor, or the little boy that goes to school with them. Um, why is Jesus unique? And so we look for opportunities to share that. And we call ours a creative access ministry. What does creative access mean? It's, it's that we have access to professionals, to families, to children who may never set foot in a gospel-preaching church or might never open the Word of God or find their way to God. So we live and move among them as normal citizens or as, as normal as we can be. Um, <laughs> and obviously we're different. We're unique. They have no longer ask me um, if I'm American. They say, where is that accent from? So that's, that's a good thing. Um, I'm going to pull up something here. Just a little statistic about Spain. There are, we're still on, yeah, this is good. 8,124 towns in Spain. 92% of these towns do not have an evangelical church. So, and actually, I'll go just go ahead and use this as a, an invitation. There's a website called Pray for Spain, and they invite you to adopt a town and pray that the gospel witness will come to that town. And our church is one of them, the ones who are really actively pursuing going to these towns with evangelistic crusades, um, every at crusades, evangelistic trips, uh, ministry trips every summer to intentionally see God sow the seed of the gospel in those towns. And I'll come back that, to that in a minute. Um, so Descubre is the name of our ministry, and Descubre means discovery. So we hope that not only will our kids discover new learning strategies, uh, new ways of thinking, new abilities that they don't have and that keep them from being unsuccessful in school, but ultimately new life in Christ. Uh, we hope and pray that that's what they discover through our, our office. So number two, slide two. So I work with my colleague, Sherry. We're both single gals when we get to our age, right? We're both educational therapists, former school teachers, educational therapists, and are at our center, which is uh, about three blocks from the center of our town of about 7,000 people. We um, provide diagnostic testing to help families and kids understand what is the the problem or what are some of their barriers to learning. And then we provide intervention, um, some strategies for them, some techniques will help them to build their ability to remember things they see, remember things they hear, to process language, uh, their focus of attention, ADD, ADHD, uh, processing speed, things like that, to help them be successful. But over and over again, I hear um, kids say, even um, ones that I had worked with before, I never understood the Bible. 
If they can't understand what they read, how will they ever understand the Word of God? And so, to me, one of the greatest privileges is to have those kids practice their reading skills from the Bible. And I've never had a parent say to me that they, they didn't want me to use the Bible for that. I always ask ahead of time. So sometimes we're looking for diphthongs, sometimes we're looking for consonant blends, and sometimes we're reading for comprehension, which means I get to make sure they understand what they're reading, right? And that's the whole point of the, of the gospel and of reading the Word of God. So the third slide shows you a picture of our town of Kamarma. It's a village of about 7,000 people, about 10 miles east of the capital city of Madrid. So we're really strategically placed. We don't have a large population to, to work with there, but God has expanded our influence. A number of our families come from the north of the city. Uh, we're looking at the possibility of opening a satellite office that's closer to them, a little more accessible. Uh, and this year, as a result of COVID, um, we started our first teletherapy student. We actually have a student in Turkey. And uh, a couple times a week, we connect with him and work to help him build his learning skills. The next slide tells, us, tells you what we believe besides what we believe about Jesus. But we believe that all students can learn. And that's a message that they don't hear in their schools, that they're all capable of learning. Um, we believe that given the right conditions, right uh, expertise, the right strategies, that their brains can be modified and they can be successful. So it's never too late. We believe that they can learn at all stages, which means that sometimes we have adults coming to get help from us as well, and it's never too late. So adults and children alike can become efficient learners as we sharpen our cognitive systems. And I believe that in the world in which we live, that's even more and more important that we know how to think, that we know how to evaluate, that we know how to ask questions and how to wonder. Um, so as we're developing efficient thinkers, efficient learners, we're asking God to illumine their minds and their hearts to respond to him. So reading his word and understanding if the Bible, you know, that's the, that's the key. Um, a lot of our kids know about Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. And to me, my, my goal is that they recognize that Jesus is a personal friend, someone that they know and that they can talk to. So our objectives as far as being there, I mean, they don't know that we're there as missionaries. We're kind of undercover. That's what I was talking about with creative access. Um, we want to become so immersed in the culture and the fabric of our community, community that we can demonstrate a life of faith, earn the trust of our friends, and show Jesus love. You, you'll, if you uh, sign up for my newsletter or get any communication from me, we talk about our official and our unofficial ministry. Our official ministry in our community is the Learning Center, but there's so many other ways to connect with people, and we do that. But primarily in the Learning Center and the office is to empower children to learn so that we can engage their families with the gospel. When I talk to, I'll show you some pictures so that you actually have, you know, they say a picture's worth a thousand words, so let's go through the next couple slides. Uh, rather quickly of our, our kids and different learning activities. Um, God provided a very gracious office space that we rent, and so we have some pl places for trainings and groups, and then we have a couple um, private offices as well. Uh, I think our kids really feel loved and cared for there because it's, it's a, a place that they, um, where they know it's put together for them, and uh, parents can sit and observe, or they can leave their kids and go across the street and get a manicure or pedicure <laughs> while we take care of their kids. But we work with the parents, too. Um, teamwork is very important to us, that we're working with the parents and working with their school staff. So the public school in town now refers kids to us as well, not because they know us personally, but because they see the results of the work that we do. Um, so we're sowing seeds in Spain, 
And that, that reminds me of um, a, a passage that was such an encouragement to my heart this morning as I was reading in, in 2 Corinthians. It's a ministry of reconciliation that God has, has given to us. Um, it actually starts back with Second uh, Corinthians 5. Um, I'm just going to read some excerpts there for, for the sake of time. But we are well known to God, uh, for the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Just recently after Holy Week, I, I engaged some of my students in the, in the discussion about what was Holy Week all about. And they were very unclear. Well, uh, Jesus, Jesus dies during Holy Week. I said, oh, does he die every year? Maybe. They do the procession every year, so maybe every year he dies. Well, then, is, is Friday the most, most important day of Holy Week? No. What would you consider to be the most important day of Holy Week? I don't know. Well, did anything happen on Sunday? You know, so just asking them questions like that and, and clarifying what, you know, the, the pieces that they've picked up on. is it, it surprises us to find out they think that Jesus dies every year. But in a child's mind, that's the way they interpret the events that happen you know, as a cultural aspect of Holy Week in Spain. So clarifying for them these very truths, that he died for all once, right? Um, that we who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. And they need to know that. They need to know that. And he's committed to us the word of reconciliation. So then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So we're ambassadors for Christ in that ministry of reconciliation. Is it easy? No. And I hope you don't only hear that from me today. I, I know there are others who have shared from the platform this morning about challenges that they're going through. Uh, recently, we've faced some utterly false accusations. And I can do nothing about that, right? Especially while I'm here in the States. But just entrusting that God has a purpose in that. And sometimes he uses those things to even broaden our scope, broaden the, um, the reach of our testimony. And so that's one of the things you can pray for us about. But we want to keep our focus on him. We're following the king. And nothing can touch us that hasn't first gone through his hands. Stop back at my table if you hadn't had a chance to. I'm at the end. So go all the way down to the end. I have two places you can sign up. I have a newsletter that I'd be happy to send you. Uh, that comes out maybe once every couple, maybe two or three months with some updates on what God is doing there. Um, I'm learning and growing in the awareness of the value of prayer. And so since I was here last year, um, I started a prayer platoon. My prayer platoon is in the trenches with me. Uh, there's a place where you can sign up if you are a prayer and you would be willing to commit to pray for our ministry. Um, you just choose the day of the week. And that day, only that day, 
if I don't make a mistake, you get two or three prayer requests that you can be praying for that are very timely for us, sometimes meetings that I have on that day, sometimes kids that we're working with who are going through real struggles, and then maybe two requests for that week. So if you would be interested in joining our ministry as a, on a prayer platoon, um, sign up in the back, too. There's two separate uh, clipboards, so make sure you get the one that you're wanting, and if not, just write to me and let me know. But we so much value the opportunity to engage other people in us, in, in, with us in what we're doing there. We're just the extension. We're just the hands, the feet, the arms. But we represent a whole host of people who are going to be celebrating around the throne because one child was reached by your prayers, by your giving, or just by your interest in, in what we're doing because God is great. So thank you for inviting me back. And I agree that the females are underrepresented here at the conference. That was not intentional. It's the largest demographic of people that go on the mission field is the single female. Um, so I have to do better. <laughs> uh, next up, Pastor Craig, are you, you here uh, from the Rock, Rock Ministries? Okay, here he is. Uh, so Craig's another, another sort of local Local guy doing some amazing stuff down in Kensington. Um, if you're familiar with the area, you know the type of work that he's involved with. Uh, but just, you know, fantastic um, ministry overall. We have a great relationship with them. But lots of ways, again, for you guys to be involved. So, Craig, why don't you come up and share a little bit? Um, it's always amazing to be up front here to, uh, to come to Calvary Philly. Uh, Calvary Philly has truly, for, for decades, been one of the major supporters of what's going on down at the Rock. So I look back through the years, and I can believe I can speak on behalf of Senior Pastor Buddy. Uh, without Calvary Philly, I don't know where we'd be. So thank you guys so much. Uh, my name is Craig Cerrito. I'm a missionary and the assistant pastor down at the Rock. Um, well, I'm glad we got the slideshow up. I don't have notes, so the slideshow is my outline here. Um, we are an inner city mis- uh, ministry, and you can kind of get a look at our main building there. We're right into the L tracks. Uh, doesn't get more urban than what we are. It's just like the classic urban environment. It's really pretty cool. Um, want to tell you a little bit about our neighborhood. Kensington was. Um, At one point, a working-class neighborhood, uh, the jobs dried up several decades ago, went overseas, and drugs filled the vacuum of poverty that was left. Uh, We became the heroin capital of the United States. Heroin has now changed nearly wholesale to fentanyl. Uh, If you've ever heard of fentanyl, it's about 100 times stronger than heroin. Uh, Our entire neighborhood is an open-air drug market. We're perhaps at the moment the most infamous neighborhood in America. Uh, maybe that distinct honor changes through the, through the seasons, but uh, we may be getting more attention than any place, maybe in the world, actually, as an open-air drug market. Um, the streets are just littered with homeless encampments, um, open-air drug use, and by that I mean super busy street corners, people injecting themselves in the neck right on the corner, falling over, uh, it's really, really, uh, it's kind of an otherworldly place. Um, but what a great place that God could put a ministry, right? What an amazing place. 
So Rock began almost two decades ago now as a Bible study in, ju- in a juvenile prison where they were giving Bible studies to kids who, who had done very adult crimes. Then the logical question occurred, well, how do we keep kids out of prison in the first place? Uh, Buddy Osborne, who started the ministry, was a former Olympic-level boxer. And he thought, well, listen, why don't we do a boxing ministry? So uh, in a borrowed space in a local boxing gym, uh, he opened a boxing ministry. The formula was a boxing lesson followed by a 20-minute Bible study to at-risk urban kids. Uh, They started with five kids, some boxing gloves, a Bible. Somebody once told me 70 bucks. We are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of kids later thousands and thousands of people in the neighborhood who have gotten the gospel. Uh, It's been quite overwhelming what God has done. Um, So we continue, as you can see, with our boxing ministry. Uh, Many thousands of kids have come through. We, for this little, you know, urban, free boxing ministry to to kids in the hood, we're one of the best boxing gyms in the country. Uh, We have a 15-time national champion who boxes out of us. We have a seven-time uh, a 7-0 professional boxer who's been raised at the gym. Uh, we've won every tournament there is to win. Uh, so God has really provided something very special for these kids. We started a Brazilian jiu-jitsu program, which is um, gaining success at this point. I, I don't know if you can see me, but I'm in there, man. I, I roll with those kids. And they beat me up so bad, right? Um, so we continue with sports. We've now started an informal soccer um, program. We have a weightlifting program. Uh, So we continue with the youth ministry. We do all kinds of things that youth ministries do, summer camps, winter camps, field trips. Uh, We have game nights, all kinds of stuff for kids. Next slide, we have a program for little kids down to age six, tutoring, homework help, education, recreation. Everybody gets a Bible study at the age-appropriate Bible study. Uh, Next slide. We have a chaplaincy program. We call it a chaplain corps. These are people who have been specially trained. They're all there in the yellow outfits uh, especially trained to meet people in the type of trauma and crisis that urban uh, communities are in. They're on the streets every single week. Uh, very interesting one right here. This is one of their days on the streets. We have a truck that goes out, and we do all kinds of street-level ministry out there. But what you don't get from this picture without an explanation is the people without the yellow jackets are drug dealers. Uh, and so we're actually trying to reach them as well. So pretty interesting picture right there. They didn't mind having their picture taken that time. Normally drug dealers don't like that too much. Uh, The inside of what we call our chaplain station. We've opened a storefront social services drop-in center. Anyone with a social need, hungry, homeless, helpless, you can just drop in, say, I'm I'm in need. We have chaplains there that are trained to um, uh, identify your need and refer you to a resource Given our neighborhood, about probably about 95% of what we do there is drug-related. People come in, say, uh, I need help. And we have a system in place using uh, some of the training that we have as well as some resources in the neighborhood to take down all the barriers for treatment so we can get them right from there to treatment. Uh, and here's what we're willing to do for them. We will then follow them through treatment into the rehab uh, for anyone who's willing all the way through rehab, we will facilitate, including pay for and, and arrange for transportation to a Christian program somewhere around the country. So we're trying to create a pipeline from the street all the way to Christian long-term discipleship somewhere. We're told by um, one of the city agencies that handles addictions that we're getting more people into treatment now than any organization in Philadelphia. 
hundreds of people have been getting in. So God has truly blessed that. Um, we do addictions-related Bible studies. We actually have Bible studies in rehabs in Philadelphia, so they've allowed us to do Bible studies inside the walls. We want to continue to expand that program so we can kind of from the inside out reach the folks in treatment. Uh, you just saw the picture of a doctor. We actually opened a wellness center, which is a little health center on the street. Perfect place to reach the homeless and the broken who are not getting any kind of medical treatment. We provide basic health screenings. We have doctor's appointments there. Uh, we have public health things like the city may have AIDS testing or hepatitis vaccinations or something. So it's a great site to do that. Once a week, we have a pregnancy ban come in and we minister to women in uh, all stages of pregnancy. And we are, uh, have gotten a commitment uh, from someone to build us three exam rooms. We're going to be opening our own pregnancy center. So that'll be there all, every day of the week there. Um, so there's a lot going on in that front. Amen. We, uh, this is our largest outreach uh, every year. We do a very, very large street outreach. It is an absolute spectacle. It's called Rock the Block. Um, it's emblematic of the outreaches that we do. We do block parties and all kinds of block outreaches throughout the year. Um, this one's huge. Um, and I like to tell people, you have not lived until you see a two-story water slide underneath the L tracks. It is like the experience of a lifetime. And lots and lots of people from the community come, and we get the gospel out that way. And we're doing these type of smaller events through the neighborhood all year. Um, next slide. Mission teams. This is a visiting mission team. I just threw up the picture to remind me to talk about it. Uh, we are a short-term mission statement, uh, station, just like you would send a short-term, a short-term team overseas. You can come uh, to the inner city. Up to 25 people for up to a week. We can accommodate you. Our motto with the program is that you just get there, we'll do everything else. And we will shepherd the team through um, an entire schedule of activities, give them the flavor and the taste for what urban missions are about here in America, at least the way we've learned to do it. Um, seldom have we sent anyone home unmoved. I mean, we have people whose lives have been changed just by coming to see what, really, what America really is all about. And they have not seen this until they come to Kensington. Um, and so we have a real strong short-term missions program. Next slide. That's me, by the way, if you can't tell. Uh, we have a school of urban ministry. A couple of years ago, we opened this up. We realized we crossed some sort of invisible line where we felt like we had gained so much experience, we wanted to start sharing with others. So uh, on our hearts is to see Christians deployed in inner cities around the country um, because America, as you probably are getting the taste for, is now a mission field. Uh, and the inner cities is ground zero for the crises that's happening all over. Uh, so we want to see missionaries in every inner city in America. Um, so we have a program, a nine-month program, where they come live with us. Uh, it's a Bible curriculum plus courses uh, on things you're not going to get in seminary, like how drugs are dealt and like how to deal with bed bugs and rats and things that your local seminary is not going to teach you as well as day one, you're an urban missionary. So we prepare you to deploy you to other urban cities. Uh, this is just a, a kind of a collage picture of our missionaries. Uh, years ago, God started to, to speak to individuals and families, and some of them literally heard his voice saying, you're going to be a missionary in Kensington. And um, we now have a bunch of missionaries stationed around the neighborhood where they will secure a home in the neighborhood. They will witness and minister to their block as a missionary. They'll also serve at the Rock, and so we're kind of like a mission state station, and uh, it's incredible what has been. I could tell you a story. I, I'd be here for the rest of the day telling you what God has been doing through the missions program. 
so just like a mission, uh, you know, some of the missionaries you've heard overseas who received the call, we're actually finding that people are receiving a call to inner city America, and we have been blessed to be sent some of those people. Next slide. We're also a church, by the way. We did plant a church about 10 years ago, Calvary Chapel of Kensington, senior pastor Buddy Osborne, who was the founder of the ministry. Uh, great church in um, one very interesting respect. We are the most ethnically diverse neighborhood in Philadelphia. So we have like a rainbow of colors. Uh, and it's kind of what we call a whosoever church. So you've got the person who's driven in from the suburbs sitting next to the guy who's homeless. And it's really, really, I mean, I, it's just so cool, you know, to be in that kind of church environment. And we just happen to be in a geography that kind of facilitates that. So it's fantastic. Um, next slide is my final slide. Uh, the next big project, which will be the biggest thing The Rock has undertaken since uh, our opening, is this. we just in the process of purchasing this building, which is a warehouse-style building. Um, we have continued with youth ministry since we opened the doors. And, however, everything that we do uh, is kind of multi-use. You know, all of our space is multi-use. We don't have a designated space for much. This is going to be a youth center for the kids of Kensington. The whole building is just going to be for them. We're going to call it the Rock Factory. We will not be emphasizing sports. We'll continue our sports ministries in our current facilities. This will be something entirely different, and we believe we can reach thousands more kids this way. I mean, you imagine walking in, and there's a rock wall and, you know, ping pong and all kinds of other activities that kids might like. Also, we're hoping to do life skills training, job training, things like that to reach a whole nother set of kids. Uh, really, we, we really, I mean, every single kid in Kensington has pretty much come through the rock. But we want to grab every kid with every interest that we can um, because Kensington devours, devours children. So uh, this will be our next uh, project. It'll be a, a huge project. We should be making settlement next month on the building. Ways to get involved. Uh, there's a number of pretty low barrier uh, access ways. Number one, uh, if you're interested in serving of any, any of our outreaches like that Rock the Block outreach I told you about, um, we've got a table out here. Please give us your email. We'll send you volunteer signups. And um, so any large event that we, d we, can d we do, we really need the help. Number two, I told you about our chaplains. If you have a heart for people in very serious crisis and are willing to meet them where they are, um, come see us. Uh, our chaplains meet minimum once a week, and they're sort of on call for a, uh, a variety of reasons. So if you kind of have a heart for neighborhoody stuff and people in crisis, please come. Uh, bear in mind that we are opening a youth center. Uh, that thing, during the summer especially, will probably be open all day, and we're going to need people. So if you have a heart for urban kids, within about a year or so, we should have that thing up and running. So please keep your ears and eyes open for that. I mean, we're always here up at Calvary Philly kind of filling the guys in as to what's happening. So Keep your ears open. We're definitely going to need people for that. And um, I think that's it. I'm so grateful to be asked to, to speak. So on behalf of Pastor Buddy, thank you guys all. Amen. There really is some amazing things happening there. Um, Steve, Pastor Steve, uh, if you want to come up, Vickery. See you around. There he is. Uh, so Steve is uh, one of the pastors at Calvary in Oxford, England. So he's going to come up and just tell you a little bit about what's happening at his church and in the country there. 
Uh, put him right next to the guy uh, from France. I saw him fighting earlier. I don't know what's about. Well, thank you, Stephen. Uh, good afternoon to you all. What a joy it is to be uh, with you uh, today. I appreciate the invitation. It's a blessing to be here. Um, as Steve said, my name is Steve Vickery. I pastor the Calvary Chapel in Oxford, uh, England. Oxford is a relatively small city, less than 200,000 people, uh, right in the middle of England, uh, about an hour outside of London. Uh, it's famous for its university, which has been there for about a thousand years. Uh, and it's also quite famous for a lot of church history. If you know your church history, uh, you may have heard of men like uh, William Tyndale and John Wycliffe, uh, who studied and uh, were uh, teachers in Oxford. Um, you have the Oxford Martyrs in 1555, uh, the time of the Reformation, who were burnt at the stake for standing up for the truth of justification by faith. If you uh, go to Oxford City Centre now, you can stand and go to the church where they were tried and found guilty of heresy. You can stand on the very spot where they were burned at the stake. Um, the history is still there, and it's marked uh, in the city. Uh, the Wesleys, John and Charles Wesley in the 1800s, C.S. Lewis in the 1900s, great uh, Christian heritage, great uh, spiritual heritage in Oxford, as there is across the UK. Uh, but of course, that was a long time ago, and uh, the situation today is very different. Uh, the UK is often described as a post-Christian country, and uh, I think that is uh, very much the case. Uh, not too uh, dissimilar to you guys here in America. We face a lot of the same cultural uh, challenges, a lot of the same cultural shifts in which uh, the truth of God's word is becoming increasingly unpopular in the world in which we live. Uh, hostility towards the truth is growing uh, and growing. And one of the great dangers uh, when uh, you are faced as a Christian and we are faced as churches, one of the great dangers uh, that comes uh, in a culture that is hostile to the truth is the danger of compromise. Uh, it is an ever-present danger that we are uh, tempted to compromise on the truth of the gospel, to compromise on the truth of God's word. Oh, well, people aren't going to like this, well, they aren't going to like that, so let's just shove that bit under the carpet, let's just ignore this uh, and, and ignore that. Uh, and one of the greatest needs we have in the UK today is a need for churches that are faithful to not only preach the gospel, but to teach biblical truth, to teach the whole counsel of God. There is a great lack of Bible teaching churches. There's no lack of church buildings going back hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, but in many of those church buildings, the word of God departed a long time ago. And when the word of God departs, the power of God departs. Uh, the power is in the word. It is the word that is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Uh, and there are about 35 Calvary chapels in the UK. Uh, all of which, or most of which, have been planted within the last uh, 20 years. Just to give you a quick snapshot, uh, most of the Calvary chapels are, are 50 people uh, or less, which is still larger than the average church size in the UK. Uh, most of the pastors are bivocational, uh, they work to support themselves. Uh, most of the churches don't have their own buildings, they rent 
uh, facilities. And, and we are very much praying uh, for a fresh work of the Spirit of God across the UK and for a fresh move of the Spirit in planting Bible-teaching churches. You know, one of the things that we hear uh, most often in the UK when people come uh, and, and they, they come to a Calvary Chapel or they come to a conference and so on and so forth, it's not uncommon at all for people to say, you know what, I've been a Christian for 20 years, but I've never heard Bible teaching like this. And I think for many of you who uh, go, to, go to this church, um, you, you need to sort of realize how blessed you are to be in a church uh, which has a pastor that faithfully teaches you the word of God. Because in the UK, that is rare. It is rare and sadly and tragically uh, so. And so um, we, we get emails quite regularly from people all across the country saying, um, you know, oh, we've been listening online and we found a Calvary Chapel in America uh, and the Bible teaching is amazing and we had no idea there were Calvary Chapel churches in the UK, uh, but there's not one near me. Can, can someone come and plant a Calvary Chapel church here? And, um, uh, and we, we see that all across the country. So there's a great need uh, for Bible teaching churches. But of course, um, you know, the harvest is plentiful, as Jesus said, but the laborers are few. And uh, that's one of the, the great challenges that we face, um, is that uh, the, the need is great, uh, but the laborers are few. Uh, and so we wrestle with that, and we struggle with that. And I would invite you to, to pray uh, for the UK, uh, to pray for the Calvary Chapel churches in the UK, to pray for the ministries that are taking place. A couple of things that we uh, do out of Calvary Chapel Oxford do, uh, uh, one, one in terms of organizing conferences, we have a national conference for Calvary Chapel churches and other churches that takes place every year, which we call Teach the Word. And uh, the main purpose of that conference is to teach the word and to communicate to people the importance of teaching the word. And so, so we do that every year. And uh, it's a wonderful, um, a wonderful time together. June 25th this year, we have the conference coming up. We'd appreciate your prayers for that. And just recently, we, we've started a new uh, ministry, a new internet radio station, which we've called Calvary Chapel Christian Radio, in which we have uh, Calvary Chapel pastors in the States, and we're starting to get uh, pastors in the UK uh, on there as well, uh, for the purpose of getting the teaching of the Word of God out there to as many people as possible, exposing, the te- exposing people as much as possible uh, to the teaching of God's Word so that they may grow and be strengthened and, and be nourished. Uh, and so please do pray for those ministries. We do have a website, calvarychapel.uk, uh, calvarychapel.uk. It lists the conferences that we have going on. There's a church finder with all the Calvary Chapel churches. Uh, I'd encourage you, uh, please do pray for us. Um, If the Lord lays it on your heart, go to that website and and pray for the ministries. Pray for the conferences. Pray for the churches. Pray for the pastors. Um, Don't underestimate the power of prayer. Never underestimate the power of prayer. Prayer matters. Prayer changes things. Uh, God hears our prayers. It's an amazing thing, a wonderful thing, and God answers prayer. Uh, And and we need uh, your prayers, uh, and we need a fresh work of the Holy Spirit uh, in the UK to see the gospel proclaimed in the power of the Spirit, to see the word of God proclaimed in the power of Spirit, so that disciples may be made, that people may be nourished and grow strong, and then they too can go forth uh, and make disciples. So uh, thank you for your time. Uh, God bless you all.
Uh, next up, we got Pastor Denny, Denny Barger, somewhere. He's coming. Oh, there he is. All right. So man, I met Pastor Denny a long time ago. We were, my family was going to his church when I was in high school, uh, Calvary in Manahawkin. Uh, since then, I haven't seen him much over the years. We were overseas, and he was overseas, and uh, he's back in the States now, um, but he still is reaching out a lot to areas in the Middle East with some medical stuff, the uh, ministry called Dreams Alive. So Pastor Danny's going to share a little bit about how you, you can get involved with that. So I met him when he was a teenager, you know, and here he is a pastor. That's, that's exciting to old guys, you know. And uh, we used to have a surf camp. We were near Long Beach Island. And, you know, like Buddy does the thing with boxing. Some of you probably have soccer ministries. We were near the ocean. People go surfing. So uh, the Lord used that. And I would I just say that because all of us have opportunities if we just listen to the Spirit of God. You know, some of you are here. You're thinking about being a missionary uh, I've been thinking about that a lot because when you're overseas uh, ministering, uh, people come over to help. And sometimes they can be a bigger problem than a help, actually. And uh, you really should pray about when you're going to go, you know, who are you in Christ and what are you going to do with that? So we're working on a little booklet to help people sort that out. Uh, my ministry has always been with persecuted Christians. Uh, my wife and I um, got saved in 1975. A couple of months later, we, got, we became man and wife. And, uh, and then the next thing you know, this fellow comes to our church from uh, a group called Open Doors. Perhaps you've heard of it, Brother Andrew. And it really gripped us because we thought, you know, being a Christian was like just joining the big happy clappy club, you know, and uh, everything was going to be wonderful. We're king's kids now and everything will be perfect. And then we started hearing about like, if you really love the Lord, your life may be in jeopardy. And so God gave us the opportunity to go to Eastern Europe uh, before, you know, churches were really allowed to be there. The communists had taken over. And... Um, you know, we were, we were just two kids in college, you know. We didn't have any money even for a honeymoon. So God sent us to Europe for a European honeymoon. I mean, isn't God good, you know? He just really blesses us. Um, and I found out something there that um, is probably rather prejudicial for me. But, you know, if there aren't machine guns, it's not a missions trip. You know what I mean? You got to get comfortable with that. And um, so there we were as a young couple and we were taking Bibles into a place where it was illegal to teach children under the age of 18 anything about Jesus. And uh, it was quite an eye-opener. The first border we crossed, sure enough, there were the guards with their Uzis and their little AK-47s. And they had their little stars on their hat. And there were German shepherds that weren't very friendly looking. And they said, put your car over there. And so we parked. And sure enough, there's a car right next to where they told us to park. And it's completely torn apart. There was clothes all over. There was even film taken out of a camera. And I'm like, man, that's it. We're going to jail. You know, this isn't looking too good. We went up to show our passports. 
Um, I kid you not, we're standing in line, and I turn around, and there's a guy behind me who doesn't have a nose. You know, like, there's this little crease there, and I'm getting more and more freaked out by the minute. Now, my young bride, however, she's two people in front of me in the line, and she's arguing with the guy uh, about her passport. He's saying... Who is Susan MacArthur? Who is Susan MacArthur? And she goes, no, no, turn the page. I'm married now. And she was so afraid that this guy would think she's a floozy riding around in a hippie van with two guys that, you know, no, no. And she's reaching in trying to get the... Finally, he says, you people are idiots. Here, here, take it and go. And so vanity got us into communist uh, Romania that time. What I want to share with you is the next trip we took. And this is a long time ago, but it, it really stuck with me. We were crossing into Hungary, and again, communists. And there was this little female. And, you know, I've told my sons, I have three sons, and whenever we travel, you know, like we go to Israel. I remember one time my son said, Dad, these Israeli army girls are really beautiful. I said, Son, they're armed to the teeth. Leave them alone. You know? So here we are crossing, and there's this rather heavy-set woman with the gun and all the, you know, the stuff. And she's asking me questions. Now, if we were, you know, it was the 70s, so long hair, hippie stuff, earring, and all that. And uh, she says to me, do you have any guns? And I said, nah, man, we're hippies. Look, you know, long hair, we're not into guns, you know. She says, do you have any drugs? We're not that kind of hippie. We don't, we don't do that. No, we don't do that. Do you have any Bibles? Now, I'm like a year into Christianity, and my pastor told me we're not allowed to lie. What do you do? So like an idiot, I said, yeah, lady, we got 2,000 of them in the van. You didn't see them? But I, I just bring up that story for two reasons. One, because Steve didn't prepare me that I'd be teaching. Uh, but secondly, stop and think about that. What can bring down a government? Think about that. Guns, of course, you know, anarchy, revolution. Drugs, I think we're witnessing the downfall of America. Somebody mentioned the fentanyl and, you know, the guys down in Kensington and stuff. And I'm, I'm right now currently living in a little town near Tuckerton, New Jersey. I mean, it's, there's drugs all over the place. Kids aren't finishing high school. So, yeah. Guns and drugs can certainly bring down a nation. But Bibles? You better believe it. There's a whole lot of people and a whole lot of governments that are scared to death of the Word of God. Why is that? Because it's powerful. You take the Word of God and you put it in the right hands and God speaks through pastors and laymen alike. And and that Word of God can change the world. So way back in 1989, we saw communism fall in Russia, you know, and the wall went down in Germany. And we all looked at each other and said, the word of God. The word of God did that. That was a miracle. I never in my life would have thought that wall was coming down, but it did. So all of that is to say, you know, as other speakers have said standing here today, be in prayer. You know, have a great relationship with the Holy Spirit. Let him lead you. But be in the Word so that you know the Word in and out. Years ago, I was at the church where my wife and I got saved, not too far from here in Pennsylvania. 
And they asked me to give a teaching on how to share the gospel with Muslims. I think I totally left out the fact that my ministry is in the Middle East. But anyway, I was there, and 22 people came to that teaching, and I asked them, how many of you have read the Bible from cover to cover? Only one person answered in the affirmative, and he wasn't a believer. He was a salesman that went to the Middle East, and he knew that in the Middle East they know the Quran inside and out. They have contests to see who can memorize the biggest chunks of their scripture, if you will. The other people, who were nice people and good Christians, hadn't read the whole Word of God. Guys, we've got to be in the Word. You know, know the Word of God. Uh, you and me, we're nothing without the Lord, without the Word. It's His Word. We are His representatives. You know, we're ambassadors. Paul called us, called us ambassadors. We represent not the United States, but the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So, you want to do that. If anybody wants to talk about the Middle East with me, uh, I love talking about it. We go into Iraq, Jordan, Egypt. I've, I've lived overseas for over 14 years, just serving the Lord in and out a lot. Uh, we take medical teams. If anyone here is in the medical profession, uh, in co co collaboration with Calvary Chapel Old Bridge, uh, we do mission teams for medical missions, wonderful things that you can do. There's so many people that need you. They need the Lord. If, if there's, you know, one, years ago, my, one of my sons was having marital problems, and I said, why didn't you come to me and talk to you? He said, Dad, we all know you've got one answer for everything. <laughs> and your point is? <laughs> Jesus is the answer. So let him send you wherever it is, whether it's across the street or across the seas, it matters not. I heard two fellows sharing about being a Christian and what it means. You know, it's not just sitting in the pew. It's really getting out of here. Uh, this charges your batteries, and then you go. And they said, you don't know what kind of ministry you should have? Put a blindfold on and walk out your front door. He said, within five minutes, you'll trip over it. There's people in need everywhere. I often like to tell people, if you have a hobby or something you really like to do, why not give that to Jesus and see what he can do with it? You say, well, my hobby's knitting. You know, there are knitting clubs you can go to. Your hobby's reading books. Go down to the local library. You can have a book club. And, you know, sooner or later you get the opportunity of telling people about your good friend Jesus. Okay? That's all I got for you. Come back to the table. We can talk about guns and machine guns and dogs and all that fun stuff. But just stay close to the Lord. And by the way, if you're not doing it here, please don't come overseas. Because the missionaries got a lot of work to do. And they really don't have time to train, you know, folks that aren't doing it here. So boom where you're planted, get going, you know, see what the Lord would do with you here. And then if his spirit speaks to you, yeah, hop on a plane. God bless you. It's a great pleasure for me to be here and say hi for you guys. It's my first time here uh, at the East Coast, and I thank God for my friend Hafa, who invited me over. Uh, I'm glad to be able to see Lucho, Cody, and to get to know other uh, amazing brothers and sisters. Uh, I come from Sao Paulo State in Brazil. 
uh, my city, São Vicente. We, are, we were the first Calvary Chapel there in 2000. Um, 22 years of ministry now. 12 Calvaries uh, uh, in the whole Brazil. So we have a lot, a, a um, lot of ground to conquer for the Lord. Uh, there are many Christians there, but few churches teach the word uh, like uh, we are used to have. So uh, we ask your prayers for that. Also, uh, the, our ministry is an um, amazing um, work of the Lord. Uh, we, we love God and love people. We, we are committed to discipleship. Uh, we reach out to a favela where we have a ministry to the slums and uh, for 21 years. And now we are reaching another area, another slums area. So we pray, please, for us too. It's a fresh new work. We're going to start this, this year. Uh, we, uh, me and my wife, for three years, we are part of the Perspectives Ministry, uh, uh, reaching the unreached people. It has been an amazing uh, 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 blessing for us to be part and mobilize people to engage in the God's mission. Uh, and uh, for one year now, I have been part of another um, Christian organization called MEPE, Missão Esperança para a Europa. That's how we say in Portuguese. It's Missions Hope for Europe. And our, our work is to prepare Brazilian missionaries to meet specific needs uh, with churches and other ministries in Europe. So we do this bridge, and it has been an amazing thing to be part of. So uh, basically, that's it. Thank you so much for your attention, and I appreciate any prayer. And if you'd like to be part uh, of uh, the work that God is doing there in Brazil, uh, I would love to meet you. Okay? God bless you.